African descendants are seeing Africa as a viable option and moving and returning. Mohamida Al-Muhajir grew up in Philadelphia and has lived across the United States. But since 2014, she's called Ghana home. Migration is really about people leaving one place for a better life. Tired of the racism in her home country of the United States, Mohamida made the choice to migrate to Ghana six years ago. She's part of a trend of people of African descent moving from the West to the African continent. Thousands of African-Americans have already made the move, and the trend is showing no sign of slowing down. Senegal's government says hundreds of American families have settled in the country. That includes Black Britons like Juliette Bryan, who moved to the Gambia in 2019. We are Africans returning, and no one can stop this tsunami. No one. We are coming home. African countries have encouraged this trend, inviting African descendants to come visit or stay for longer. We're here to invite and welcome you home to Mama Africa. I don't care from where you come. If you are Black, you are an African. It's all part of a campaign to encourage more investment in tourism on the continent, which culminated in 2019 with the Year of Return, a commemoration to mark 400 years since the first enslaved people from West Africa were brought to the Americas. The Year of Return, an initiative that includes activities and events designed to encourage those in the diaspora to find a new home in Ghana. For Muhammadah and Juliet, the move to Africa was long overdue. Today, we speak to them about their decision to repatriate for good. I'm Malika Bilal, and this is The Take. Juliette Ryan is the co-founder of the Council of African Descendants in the Gambia. She also created the Blacksit YouTube channel, where she offers advice to people who want to make the same move she did. Hi, everyone. Thank you for coming to my new YouTube channel, which is really about trying to demonstrate why we feel that you should repatriate back to Africa. She says she's had a lot of interest. I can't even keep up. When I first started, there was more because there was no COVID. Juliet first felt a connection to the Gambia when she visited on vacation. My grandma, she was born in Jamaica. And she told me that we came from a place called Cambia. I came here on a holiday and there was a man who looked exactly like my grandma's family at the taxi rank. And he explained to me that he was Mandinka. And they pronounced Gambia Cambia, and that it was previously known as Cambia. I nearly dropped. I was so shocked. And I realized that I had come back to my ancestral roots without even knowing it. Can you imagine? Juliet says racism was ultimately what led her to relocate. In London, you still face racism. You really do. You face it in in much higher degrees than people would actually assume or even know about. Raised in South End London, Juliet is all too familiar with the UK's brand of racism. But she says it was hard watching her sons experience what she did in her childhood. 
my younger son, who was going through terrible racism um, at school, and he was just seven, including being attacked, physically attacked, where I had to take him to hospital for treatment. I just broke down because I went through so much racism. Seeing my children now having to go through it was just too much. So Juliet filed a lawsuit against her son's primary school, which was covered in British news outlets. When it got into the media, that's when I started to get death threats. I started to get all kinds of threats, telling us to go to our own country. Why don't we leave if we don't like it? So you know what? Good advice, because you know what? You don't have to live that life. And so we left. It was a tipping of all of us. The scales just tipped us out of England. That's when Juliet and her family made the decision to move. Finally, I'm free. And I've looked over. Martin Luther King said, you will find a promised land. Trust me, Africa is our promised land. But I want you to know tonight that we as a people will get to the promised land. Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. made a trip to Africa himself, to Ghana, in 1957 for the inauguration of Prime Minister Kwame Nkrumah. It was a historical moment for the Pan-African movement. We must therefore face the issue of African unity now, for only unity will make the artificial boundaries and regional demarcations imposed by colonialism obsolete. Before Nkrumah, Jamaican activist Marcus Garvey championed Pan-African unity. We believe that the time has come to unite these 400 million people for the one common purpose of bettering their conditions as did the American civil rights leader W.E.B. Du Bois, who also called for people of African descent to return to the continent. And then with my Pan-African Congress movement, there came the idea that American Negroes, having better chance at education and so forth, could help the African. Du Bois is now buried in the heart of Ghana's capital, Accra, where Mohammeda has lived for the last six years. She says watching this next phase in Pan-Africanism has made her emotional. I was almost like in tears, like this is what Kwame Nkrumah and everybody dreamed of happening. Growing up in Brooklyn in California, Mohamida says her parents were Afrocentric and encouraged her to embrace her heritage at a young age. They sent her to Kenya on a school trip when she was 15. I never went through a phase of my life where I thought that Africa was bad, that I thought it was, you know, negative. I grew up in a household that was very Afrocentric and Black consciousness. There was never a time that I thought Africa was like some jungle. My parents traveled to Africa when I was younger, and I even came to Africa the first time when I was like 15. Africa was never like some scary place. She stayed even longer in 2003 when she went to Ghana for a master's program. Then, after several years in New York, she returned to Accra for good in 2014. When Ghana commemorated the year of return in 2019, Mohamida had already been there for a while. I felt like I had been doing my years of return prior to the year of return. Mohamida worked on the advertising campaign for the year-long celebration, which concluded with a festival held in December of 2019, attended by celebrities from across the African diaspora. What I thought was very significant about the year of return is that it fell in line with 
almost like this new kind of movement of Africa as like cool and hip in a way that we haven't ever seen it before. American rapper T.I. and wife arrived in Ghana last Sunday. Actor Michael J. White has been ensued as a chief in Akwemu. He is now known you know, Africa being the place that like Naomi Campbell and Idris Elba, like their holiday, like these people could be anywhere in the world. They could be in Cannes, they could be in Monaco. Nah, they were in Accra. It was really mind boggling because I don't think we've ever seen anything like that before. This year alone, lots of tourists have been to Ghana. Notable among them is American rapper Cardi B. Ghana, Ghana, Ghana. American actor Boris Kujo, and quite recently, Rick Ross. It really struck a chord with African-Americans because it was like, wait, there really is a place that we can go back to and they're welcoming us. We heard that call and like we people bought tickets and got on planes and came like this is the beginning and it's just going to like get stronger. Those bonds are going to get stronger. Ghana has continued to build on the year-long commemoration. In 2020, Ghana's government launched a new campaign called Beyond the Return. They announced plans for more tourism infrastructure, as well as investment and housing programs for people of African descent. But for Mohamida, the appeal of living in Ghana is a comfort she never felt in the United States. So tell me more about that feeling that you said you got where you felt like you fit in, because clearly... You grew up in the United States, so that is your home. You've lived in places like Tokyo. But it was something about being on the African continent, being in Ghana, where you felt at peace. Can you describe that for me? Oh, my God. I, I think about this all the time. When you grow up in the West, all the standards you just don't fit in. All the standards of beauty, of success, of all the things you just don't fit in. I mean, there's just like, oh, we try, we straighten our hair, we try to speak with the perfect English. Like, we do everything, and we're just never going to get there. And we're reminded of that pretty much every single day. The moment that I did not feel that, I'm like, oh, my God, this is so refreshing. I didn't realize how heavy that was on me. I didn't realize, like, that I could go in just a simple pharmacy and, like, the minimum wage security guard it's not following me around. It's not thinking that I might steal something. The waitress at a cafe at a Starbucks or something can treat you in a way that's demeaning. For me, I, I just, I cannot live like that. I'm like feeling like a normal, full, whole human being. That feeling is so wonderful that nothing else compares to that. Mohamida says her friends and family didn't understand her decision to move to Accra in 2014. But a lot has changed in the U.S. since she moved. For example, the election of Donald Trump, who famously made comments like, Why do we want these people from, quote, all these whole countries here? Mr. Trump was referring to African nations and Haiti. As well as a documented rise in hate crimes. Across the country, hate crimes have steadily increased in the past four years. Last year, 60% of those hate crimes had to do with race. After the police killing of George Floyd in the state of Minnesota in May of 2020, people across the U.S. protested against racism and police brutality. Meanwhile, in Ghana, 
the government held a memorial for George Floyd. During the service, Ghana's tourism minister told Black Americans to consider moving. Come home. Build a life in Ghana. You do not have to stay where you are not wanted forever. You have a choice. And Africa is waiting for you. Mohamida says that after George Floyd's killing, the conversation around repatriation among her friends and family, other African Americans who were still living in the United States, shifted. So 2020 has been significant for many reasons, among them, of course, the pandemic, but also then the twin pandemic of racism in this country, the original sin. When the protests this summer after the death of George Floyd, were you having conversations with your friends, fellow African-Americans who still lived in America, about your decision to live in Africa? Were they thinking similar thoughts? What were those conversations like at that time? People started to understand why I had made this move. Before, people didn't understand it. It sounded so crazy. There were people like, moving? Like, why would you move to Africa? Because part of the reason why people thought it was a crazy idea is that people always think moving to Africa is like, your life is going to be worse. Like, it's going to be like, just hot in the jungle and animals running across everywhere and militiamen and child soldiers. Like, why would you do something like that? Well, people start to realize you could have a good life equivalent, if not better than the life that you were living in the U.S. That's when people were like, oh, this is really an option. There are other issues in a developing country. Racism issue is just not one. Nobody's going to stop me just because I'm Black. There are still logistics to consider, things like residency and citizenship. In 2000, Ghana passed a law on the right of abode, which allows people of African descent to live and work in Ghana without a visa. After five years, they can apply for citizenship. But not every country has those initiatives. The Gambia has a 15-year residency requirement for citizenship. Juliet is advocating to reduce that requirement from 15 years down to two. It enables you to be treated like a Gambian, and it enables you to be able to purchase land like a Gambian, you know, or a home like a Gambian, and be able to be under the law and the constitution like a Gambian. And there are other challenges, like pushback from locals. I interviewed South African anthropologist Litha Sukutu in 2018 on Al Jazeera's The Stream, Here's what he had to say on that topic. But African-Americans who come here and are looking for an idyllic sense of home, I find that when the desire is very romantic and one that is lacking context of just on the ground what is happening within the country, it, it becomes problematic and at times a little bit difficult for us as local Africans to engage with you realistically as a foreigner coming into the space to try and find something on this, like, spiritual mecca. It's, it's, it's very complicated. I asked Mohamida if she's ever heard comments along these lines from Ghanaians or felt the benefits of holding an American passport. Classism is something that's very deeply ingrained in African society. 
And I'm like, wow, finally there's a place that actually this being American actually means something that can get me something because in America I can't get nothing. Right. I'm like, let me ride this wave. But uh, yeah, it's, it definitely is there. But I understand like how not to be like this ugly American. And I think that's why I have a very easy and a very smooth kind of entree into the lifestyle and to society. Some of those very stereotypical, ugly American things, I don't do it. So I don't just use the privilege all the time. But there are times too that, you know, I could tell that I'll be on the outside because I technically am an outsider. Of course, this is a personal choice, but there will be some people, some African-Americans, who are against the idea of moving to Africa because... They say that the solution to solving racial tension and unrest in the United States is to stay here and fight it. What would you say to that? I hear people say that all the time. And you're right. It is a choice. Um, It's very much a choice. But I feel like there's been too much bloodshed. I have a grandfather who was in World War One, not World War Two. One grandfather was in World War One. One grandfather was in World War Two. Like, what else do we got to give to this place? I don't have nothing else to give. No, no. I mean, and I don't, I'm not against people who feel that way. I know a lot of people do, but like, no, there's no more sacrifices to give to that land. Everybody else comes to America for a better life, but we are there and we are actually suffering. It's hard for us when we're there to think that there could be another place where we wouldn't be oppressed in those ways. We wouldn't be second class citizens because we're living in a place many people around the world are basically doing whatever they can to get there. So we never think that there's another option. But Mohamedat encourages Black Americans who might not want to move to at least consider a visit. I don't think that everybody has to move. Not everybody can move. Like, I just feel like everybody should just have a moment a week, two weeks, three weeks where they just don't have to deal with like racial drama. You know, they could just breathe. Like everybody don't have to move, but everybody needs to come. And that's The Take. This episode was produced by Oni Wohacha with Nagin Oliai, Priyanka Tilvey, Dina Kispe, Amy Walters, Alexandra Locke, Ney Alvarez, and me, Malika Bilal. Natalia Aldana is the engagement producer. Alex Roldan is our sound designer. Stacey Samuel is the executive producer, and Graylin Brashear is Al Jazeera's head of audio. We'll be back 